um i got the call when i was sitting in chick-fil-a eating lunch so was, i was like <laughs> that might be the most hey, georgia up? thing i've ever heard anybody <laughs> say that makes sense yeah This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. In fact, we use Podbean to host Halos in the Infield. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in just minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly on the app from your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out! Viva Los Angelitos and Viva Podbean! And welcome everybody to Halos in the Infield. My name is Fernando, joined here by Coleman Crow who is a member of our Los Angeles Angels organization. Coleman, how are you doing this morning? Or I guess doing great. <laughs> you are. Doing great. Pleasure to be on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, no. We're, we're thrilled to have you. Um, and we're thrilled for the audience to get to know who you are. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Coleman was drafted in 2019. He did spend the bulk of last season with the uh, 66ers, and he was an Arizona fall star in the fall league this year for the Desert Dogs, which is the team for the Angels this year. Uh, have they? They weren't the Desert Dogs last year, right? I think they were the Scorpions. Oh, they, they were actually. I I think they were the Mesa Solar Sox, but they did. They redid the team arrangements, the team affiliations this year, so they switched us over to Glendale this year. So, okay, how's that facility? Really nice, really nice. It's the Dodgers White Sox shirt facility, and we were on the big league side, obviously, but we were on the we were on the White Sox side, I believe, and it was it was really nice. <laughs> I loved it. Okay, so I mean, it, better than Tempe. We're we're not throwing shade. I, I'm just saying. I would say definitely, yeah. Okay. Well, I know the Angels are uh, currently in the process of redoing Tevi Diablo. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's hope. Uh, let, let's hope uh, it can step up a little bit. In all fairness, they have like the oldest spring training site. So that is uh, that that is very true. So hopefully they can you know renovate some things and make it look a little cleaner for spring training. Uh. All right. Well. Uh. Let's dive into it. So you went to uh, Pike County High, right? So that's the Pirates. Yes, sir. All right, so uh, first of all, let's start talking about high school in Georgia. How was it to go to high school in Georgia, and what does baseball and high school baseball mean to the state of Georgia? Oh, man, it's it's everything. I mean, you you play with a lot of the same guys with, like, summer ball and stuff, but I would say, like, high school ball has a different feel to it. It's like guys you grew up with, like, elementary school, middle school. It's just, like, it's a great feeling to finally, like, play high school ball together. And we ended up winning the state championship my senior year. So it was a great, like, accomplishment for all, like, my hometown buddies and stuff. So it's definitely, like, a, a big Southeast thing, but it's definitely a big Georgia thing, I would say, baseball as a whole. Yeah, you guys beat Pace Academy. 
Exactly. Yeah, they were. They had a really good team. They had a couple commits. One, one of the guys, I think the center fielder was going to like Georgia as a as a wide receiver. So really rangy out there. They had a catcher going to Georgia Tech. They had some good guys, but we ended up sweeping them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I saw that. And you were also uh, the one interviewed at the very end. Yes, so sir. That's right. <laughs> I just watched that interview uh, this morning. Actually, was that a was that like your first time like on a major interview back then? Uh, I would say, yeah, for sure. Because I had never okay. like, I mean, that was the first time like Pike County had ever done anything like in the spotlight or anything. So for sure. Yeah, that was the school's first state championship of any kind, right? First state championship in a team sport for sure. Yeah. Okay. So pretty big deal for the school. Like, what do you remember from like that moment? Like, did the school like? Was it like a big celebration or was it just kind of like, oh, cool, man, you know? No, it was it was insane because I would say like the day of the state championship, like the game, I would say like half the senior class was at the game. Like there were so many students. Wow. It was insane. Like all the administrators were there. I mean, it was a big deal, which it was only like 45 minutes from our school. But like to show up that many people, it was it was a great crowd. Were, uh, were you a multi-sport athlete in high school? No, I wasn't. I was uh, growing up. I played football and baseball, but that was until uh, eighth grade. And I was like, I'm just going to focus on baseball. I would have uh, ran track, but it's the same season in Georgia. So that didn't work out. So I was strictly baseball. I know a lot of guys do do the dual dual sport stuff, but I was just a baseball guy. Okay. If you could do high school over again, would you have done two sports or do you think you would have just kept doing the baseball? Uh. I, I want to say I'd probably do the same thing because that was part of the reason I, I stopped playing football in eighth grade was like baseball was my favorite thing to do. So I was like, I'm not going to go and go and play football, do something half-heartedly and get hurt and not be able to play in the next upcoming baseball season. That just didn't make sense to me. So I was like, we'll go play summer. We'll take the fall off and then we'll play school ball. And it was, it was just a really great like yearly thing. Like I got enough time off, but at the same time I got to play year round. So. Okay. You said you stopped playing football in eighth grade then. I mean, were you just not as passionate about football? Yeah. I mean, that was part of it, but I also fractured my growth plate um, unrelated from football, but I did fracture and I was like, I'm not letting this, like letting an injury get in the way of me playing. So I was also like a really late bloomer puberty wise. So I was uh, <laughs> on the smaller, I was on the smaller side of uh, players. So I was, I was not having it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair. What what did you play? Position? I was a I was a quarterback. Okay, I was a quarterback going in high school too. So. Got you. Got you. Uh, all right. So, uh, Kennesaw State. Uh, it was a school you were committed to. Uh, yes, sir. There. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, it's in Kennesaw, Georgia. It's a D1 program. Uh, there were NCAA regional championships in 2014. They had a tournament appearance that year, and uh, were conference tournament champions. For those of you guys who aren't aware, what uh what Kennesaw State's about. So what was so appealing to you about Kennesaw State and why did you decide to commit to them uh, when you did? Um, so kind of going back to what I said earlier, I was a late bloomer. So a lot of like the bigger D1s and, the, you know, bigger schools commit like really early, like ninth grade, eighth grade-ish. And I committed just before my junior year of high, of high school baseball season, I believe. And okay. Kind of like they were the only school that really like gave me a shot. I had other, I had other like smaller type schools give me 
you know, want to come on a visit, give me an offer or whatever. But that, that was the only Division One school that really gave me a shot. And so I went ahead and committed. Okay. Uh, can you walk me through the re recruitment process? Like, did you go uh, to campus? Or was it all done, you know, at your school? Got you, yeah. We, I was actually playing in a tournament in Atlanta. Well, it's actually, a, you know, it's north of Atlanta, but Emerson, Georgia was the perfect game facility at the time. We were playing up there, and there were scouts. I believe we were at the Whirlwood Bats, 16U or 17U. Um, there was a scout there. He saw me pitch, um, got in contact with my dad. He, They basically invited me over for a visit, I want to say like a week later. So we drove up to Kennesaw, went on a, a day visit. And then they called me like three or four days after, offered me on the phone. Um, I ended up coming up to campus and committing like shortly, like a week later or something. So, I mean, it was it was a really interesting process. Looking back now, I would have liked to go to see some other schools for sure. But it was like, you know, they were the only ones that gave me a shot. So I was really excited. So I went ahead and committed. Oh, man, you took my next question. I was going to say, like, what would you have changed? <laughs> you know, like, or what would you have told gotcha. yourself now? That you didn't know back yeah. then about the recruitment process, but you know, you would have liked to see yeah, more schools. Just, yeah, exactly. What was your dream school growing up? Like, if we're talking um, like fantasy, like, what did you want it? Like, if you would have went to college, what would have been your dream school? If I would have asked like the 10 year old Coleman. Well, I'll say this my, my dream was to go play professional baseball. So, college was kind of the, the backup plan. I wanted, like, Fair. as soon as I got offered, I wanted to go play pro ball, but. I would say, like, definitely an SEC school. I don't think it would matter. An SEC school would have been the dream. Yeah, well, uh, baseball in the SEC is just different. Exactly. You know, I mean, you want to ever you, you want to feel like you're in the pros while you're in college. I mean, oh, that's yeah. what everyone says. So, okay, they so uh, a ton of talent coming out of there. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, very talented. I mean, for all the major sports, really. Mm-hmm. Are you sick of sandpaper tongue? Do you prefer your sunflower seeds to be non-GMO, gluten-free, and without all that bullshit MSG? If so, do we have some good news for you. Introducing Chinook Cedary with some of the best sunflower seeds on the market. Be sure to check out all seven of their non-GMO, gluten-free flavors today. To help out Halos in the Infield, head on over to halosintheinfield.com and click on our sponsor link. Chinook Cedary. Carpe. All right, uh, so let's go to draft day. So uh, 2019, you were drafted in the 28th round. Uh, and, uh, you signed on July 3rd. Uh, walk me through the excitement of getting drafted. Walk me through everything that happened on draft day. Were, you know, Were you by your phone the whole day? Yeah, so I was uh, I was 28th rounder, obviously, so I was drafted on day, day three, um, kind of middle of the day. But I was I had talked to the scout, and I didn't really know for sure that I was going to get drafted. I knew there was a good chance. So I was kind of, you know, patient but anxious at the same time. Um, I got the call when I was sitting in Chick-fil-A eating lunch. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, That might be the most Georgia up? thing I've ever heard anybody <laughs> say. That makes sense, yeah. We love our Chick-fil-A. Yeah, it was like I picked up the phone. He was like, uh, yeah, the Angels are going to draft you in the 28th round. I was like, wow, that's that's crazy. So that was, that was basically my draft day. Um, I signed a little bit later. Like I was one of the later signings and show up to camp so, just because like the way the money fell and like other guys had to sign before they could sign me. So that's pretty much 
I mean, you know, I'm not in the position to say like what's decent money or not, but for 28th round, I mean, you got some pretty decent coin. I mean, we're talking like fifth round kind of money. Yeah, it was. Uh, I w- I want to say it's just the way like they save money with earlier guys. Um, so they gave me an opportunity to you know sign for a little bit more, and it worked out. So. Was it gonna take like so? You said that professional baseball was and especially major league baseball was always the goal so with that being said like would it have taken that much to get you to not go to college and go straight to you know being a professional baseball player or like you know did there have to be a decent amount of commitment money wise for you to forego your college education to play baseball uh, professionally i think there were there would have had to been there like that was a lot but i think there would have had to been a, a decent amount of money allocated for me to go play professional baseball for sure yeah okay so if we're talking you know like the you know some players legitimately get a thousand dollar signing bonus you probably would have just gone to kennesaw exactly yeah i probably wouldn't have signed for you know anything but i definitely like wanted to go play pro ball over anything else i would say okay fair enough uh, well, I'm obviously, I'm glad that worked out. Um, so you didn't pitch in 2019, and obviously you did not get a pitch in 2020. So walk me through the emotions about missing that substantial amount of time from formally playing the game. I would imagine it's probably the first time in your life where you ever didn't formally pitch for two years. Yeah, and it was a long time, and it was it was really aggravating because, well, part of the reason, well, I'll say 2019, okay, most major league organizations shut high school pitchers down like they don't they don't come right out of draft day and go into the azl some do but most of them don't so that's i was i was understanding of that we came out there we lifted we threw like two or three pins um 2020 happened that was just a fiasco that was really annoying because i wanted to play so bad i was just i was excited but it was it was amazing to finally like get on the mound in spring training this year i mean it was it was a it was a great feeling to finally get back and like getting like competing and everything walk me through the first uh mound appearance that you remember from spring training of 2021 what uh what do you remember vividly from that day and that time when you finally got back on the mound after such a extended period of time missed god man i was uh i was nervous (laughs) i got up on the mound but uh i would say after the first couple batters or so it kind of like I calmed myself down. It came back to me, and I kind of settled in. But the the nerves were there for sure. Okay, fair enough. So, it's fair to say that sometimes you still do get nervous on the mound. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would say this year it it happened towards like more the beginning of the year, and the, towards the end of the year I started settling in. And I just felt really comfortable on the mound, which with the end of the year was towards the part of the year where I started throwing my best like pitches. I started throwing the best towards the end of the year. So I started settling in, relaxing a little bit. So. Okay. We'll get to the end of the year. So don't get too far ahead of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, walk me through, uh, you know, the 2020 pandemic for you. Like what did you do to stay at your best during that, you know, that time off? Man. So I got a story. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. I like stories. I got a, I got a story. So end of 2019, my uh, my right knee started bothering me, and I got the trainers and everything to look to look at it, and they were saying it's like tendonitis or something. And I was like, okay. So they gave me these stretches. I did that. Um, then my left one started bothering me. So basically, at the beginning of 2020, I went 
so we, we couldn't come out to the facility, right? So I'm in Georgia, and they send me to a doctor to get looked at both of my knees. It turns out that I have this the bone, the shin bone below my knee is actually out of alignment with my kneecap. So it was a genetic thing. Yeah. So both of my knees were getting pulled to the outside. My kneecap was, and it was rubbing the cartilage. So 2020, I had two knee surgeries. My left knee was on September 18th, and my right knee was on December 20th or something. So I got three months recovery for each. That is not the break between two surgeries. I know. Yeah, exactly. So it's six weeks on crutches and then six weeks walking. So it's a relatively quick, like, recovery walking-wise. Um, but I did show up just as like barely to spring training, like ready to start training, which it was, I would say it's good timing because I had to be an extended either way. So I got time to build up my throwing program and everything. So 2020 was like really just a recovery year for me. I had to get, get my knees fixed. And, but as of now, like they're great. Everything, everything's been perfect. So no pain. Okay. Were you nervous at the end there that you weren't going to be ready by spring training? Like, did those yeah. nerves ever kick in? That was okay. the biggest. That was the biggest thing. I was. I, I just wanted to be ready to pitch because I didn't want to have to spend a whole another year like rehabbing. That would have been. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine three years without pitching, at least exactly. formally? Or yeah. Even, yeah. I, that's got to be rough. Yeah. But luckily, that didn't happen. You did get a pitch last year, so you were four and three with the sixty-six with the four point one nine ERA, thirteen games, sixty-two innings. So. Uh, you were a, a starter for the bulk of the year, correct? Yes, I was. A, we were. A, I was a starter for the whole year. But the thing is, we had so many starters. Sometimes we had to like piggyback starters. So like, I would be paired up with a guy. He would go first. I would come in next, and the next start, I would go in first. He would come in next. So we just okay. had so many starters. We didn't have enough games to spread them out. So. Okay. Uh, and but uh, in the uh, AFL, uh, you were mostly coming out of the pen, correct? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah, like I only okay. had like five or six appearances. I think like two or three starts, two or three out of the pen. So, okay. Uh, so uh, about your first pro season where you actually got a pitch. It's so weird to say that because you know we're now hitting that stage where some of the guys we interview didn't get that 2020. Exactly. Uh, so what was one of the first key takeaways from the 2021 season that Coleman Crow um, has taken away that's going to make him better? Man. I would say, trying to think, everybody, like, when I got moved up, it was like, wow, dudes work hard. Like, everybody here is talented, and everybody works. So it's like, it's almost like you have to get a little bit lucky along with working hard and everything else coming together to, like, actually do something. So I would say, you know, just stay the course and, yeah, stay the course and keep working and let things fall into place. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing that I was uh, telling my son. My son's only like uh, six. He's about to be seven. So he's like now starting to hit a stage where like he's like, oh, I want to be a pro baseball player when I when I grow up. And I, like, I tell him, like, you know what, man, you, you can do that. But, you know, there's, there's a fine line between being born with talent and like needing to work for it. And, exactly. um, you know, once you start hitting those levels of the minor leagues, uh, you know, for most of those guys in that 66ers locker room, they were probably one of the best players on their team growing up, right? From like T-ball all the way up. And now, like you said, once you hit that level in the minors, you're now in that situation where now the best of those guys and the best of college and the best of high school are now in this locker room. So, I mean, I, I bet that's got to be a little bit of a shock and not necessarily in a bad way. It's just probably different. No, it's just like, wow, I'm on a, I'm on a super team right now. Like, yeah. 
every every one of the guys in the locker room was the best was the guy growing up so absolutely so uh you were selected to represent the angels on the desert dogs this year uh for those of you who don't know what the arizona fall league is uh every team has the opportunity to send i believe up to six of uh the their prospects uh, obviously it's held out in arizona in some of the spring training facilities. It's a pretty cool thing to go to. Uh, but I do have to say, you have to be a pretty hardcore baseball fan to go to. I love going there. But, like, it's not, like, the exciting, like, uh, you know, like, there's not, like, video screen kind of stuff happening. They're not doing giveaways. The play itself is really cool because it's, like, seeing the cream of the crop and the minors play. So I really like going out there. But, you know, someone like my fiance would be like, this is boring. You know, <laughs> where's where's the T-shirt cannons? But um, so what did it feel like to represent uh, the Angels this year on, uh, and be part of the AFL? No, it was really exciting. I, uh, I got the call and I was like really surprised because, I mean, I thought I pitched well, but I, I was like, they're sending me to the Fall League? Like, this is a big <laughs> deal. So I was like, I got I to gotta go. Yeah. Um, no, that locker room was insane. Like just being in the locker room with those, you know, top guys and every every organization was just like, wow these these are some dudes right here yeah i mean some of the best players in the game today the, the names that people know i mean you know the trouts the harpers those guys played in the arizona fall league and a lot of people probably don't even know the league exists i think my first time going out there was to watch tim tebow play in 2016 mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> i was yeah. like oh i gotta go out there that'd be hilarious and i mean i got <laughs> actually i got the, the jersey behind me signed that day so yeah but yeah, so if any of you guys haven't been out to Arizona Fall League, highly recommend. It's a lot of fun. Is it kind of weird playing when it's so quiet? Like some uh, of those games are like silent. It is different. Yeah, you don't have all the promotional stuff that you have like in a regular affiliate for minor leagues. It's uh, but I would say yeah. definitely the baseball is really high level. Really high level. Oh, absolutely. Baseball. Yeah, I it didn't bother me. I mean, some days. Um, we would pack it out like on the later like weekend games, but like early in the week, it wouldn't be very many people. So it didn't really bother me. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, no, it, it's the level of play is phenomenal. It really is like watching the, the a normal minor league all-star game, except it happens all the time. So I mm -hmm. can only imagine how uh, much more difficult the fall star games would have been because now, you know, we're taking the best, from the best prospects and now putting them here in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. You guys played at a Salt River field this year for the fall circuit? Yeah, we played at Salt River. Okay. So walk me through that pitch where you gave up the home run. Yeah. So the first I had, inning uh, there. I, I had thrown against him the week before and he's dude, he's a really good hitter. Um, I would say I was trying to go up and in and I just left it out over the plate, which is where, you know, Big hitters and three and four hole lineup like to like to extend their extend their arms, get to the outside part of the plate and drive a pitch, which is what happened. I mean, it happened. So. Oh no, no, absolutely. I mean, I watched the pitch, and as soon as I saw it leave your hand, you kind of already hung your head down, yeah, like oh, no. exactly. Because yeah, it was laid out there on the uh, outside part of the plate, about the middle. Still away. You know, yep. like, oh, no. Yeah, but uh, that game was televised, right? It was that in the uh, championship game, I believe. It was televised those two okay um so uh how cool was it to be selected to the fall star team in general you know no, so was... you had the privilege of playing in the afl and now you got the privilege of being one of the top guys to represent the desert dogs yeah no that was definitely just an honor just to be there like 
people say that like it's a bad like it was an honor just to be there it was a great experience i mean that is the top of the top of the top of the top so i really enjoyed that locker room especially meeting some new guys from other teams i hadn't necessarily talked to so it was a great experience so uh you were uh, one of the youngest players selected on the team at the time you're uh, 21 years old you had a 1.59 era with 20 strikeouts and 17 innings pitch what worked for you in the arizona fall league I would say from the regular season to the fall league, my biggest thing was a mindset change. It was, we're going to go right after guys. We're going to stop being too fine and we're going to put, make them put the ball in play. And that actually made me like, it increased my swing and miss rate. Like, cause I was going right at guys. I was getting them 0 one, two, and then putting them away. Or I was going oh oh in the zone and they were grounding out. Like it was just, let's force contact. Let's keep the pitch count down. It was just, you know, easy baseball, basically. Okay, so I think you kind of already answered this one. But so for those of you who don't know, most players go to the AFL to work on specific things. Sometimes, like, they'll just say, hey, I just want you to work on your secondary pitches. Don't throw fastballs. Or, for instance, a couple years ago, Jared Walsh went there to practice his pitching when he was still trying to be a two-way player. So did the Angels give you something specifically they wanted you to work on? Was it directly attacking players? Uh, they gave me, I, I basically needed to start throwing more two seamers. So sinkers. Um, and that's what I did a lot more in the fall league. And that, that really led to some of my success because when I was talking about like pitching early in the zone, I was throwing those two seamers early and they were catching the bottom of the zone and I was getting some easy ground outs like early in the game. That's really part of the reason I got, I was so successful in the fall league. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Cause you're known for a power fastball, right? Your, your fastball tops out at about 95. Um, you have a slider and a changeup, correct? Yep. All right. What's, uh, what's your go-to pitch on a typical righty on a two, two count? I'd say runner on first base. How many outs? What's, <laughs> we'll go one out. So you're, you're trying to go for a double play. Typical, let's say typical righty. I'm probably going two seamer bottom of the zone away because I want to, I want to get a little, little rollover. Hopefully I can clip the bottom of the zone. He rolls into like a ground ball, third base shortstop. We get a double play out of the inning. Okay. And for a lefty, you're trying to jam him? Uh, Lefty right there. I might go change up down and away. Same thing. Try to get him out front. Maybe pull a ball to the, to the right side, first or second ground ball. Maybe get a, get a little two double play, get out of the inning right there. Okay, cool. So, uh, just a couple of last questions here. Uh, thanks again for the time. Um, so, uh, you were drafted by Billy Epler. So, when there's a change in general manager, obviously now it's Perry Manazian, uh, is there anything that goes through your mind? Is there, like, that kind of moment of, like, well, I might not be Perry's guy? Like, what's, is there anything that goes through your mind when that change happens? I would say, yes, there is some initial doubt because, like, it's like, you're walking into an unknown. Like, I don't know this guy. Like, what's he going to think? But at the, at the end of the day, if I do my job, I'm going to move. So my focus is on me and just I feel like I have to keep working, keep getting better, and it's going to pan out for me even if I, you know, keep doing what I'm doing. That's a great mentality, and it'll lead us to our next question. But uh, did you get to talk much to Billy once you were drafted? Uh, I talked one or once or twice with Billy, not much, but I've, I've talked to Perry a few times, really like Perry. 
and I think he's going to do great things for this organization. So I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, I haven't gotten to meet Perry. I got to meet Billy a couple times. I mean, and, but the one thing I will say is that they were both great baseball minds. You know, though I haven't gotten to talk to Perry. I mean, you know, the moves he makes are great. Uh, the selections for the Arizona Fall League were great. Uh, who are your some of your other teammates? Jeremiah Jackson was one of them, right? And he also, you also played with him in the '66ers, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, you, are you and Jeremiah pretty good friends? Yes, for sure. Yeah, I talk to Jeremiah every now and then. He's a great guy. Okay. Who who's kind of like your one guy like on the '66ers? Like who's probably like your you know if you had to pick like one of your like your best friends on the team? Who comes to mind uh, immediately? Uh, Connor Van School and Chase Chaney. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, I'm hearing laughter, so. He's a fellow Georgia boy, and he, and then Connor is like a, he's Iowa. He's from Iowa. See, he's country. He's funny. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so uh, last question I have for you to wrap it up here. Minor league baseball is an absolute grind, and I'm sure nobody knows that more than you do right now. Why is it going to be different for Coleman Crow? Why are you going to get to the big leagues? Let's see. I would say I have the mentality of never accepting like no as an answer. Like I feel like I've never had a doubt that I'm going to play in the big leagues and that's just how it's going to be. Like I'm willing to do whatever it's going to, it's going to work out. I'm going to work hard enough to get there and I'm going to stay there. So that's basically it. I like that. I like the confidence behind it. Uh, yes, he's got the smirk. So, you know, we know you mean business come spring training. You are, are you pretty ready for spring training? Oh yeah. Ramping up with bullpens now. Feel, arm feels great so trying to stay healthy this year and you know just compete all right man well we hope to see you out in tempe hopefully soon i know the lockout's out of your control but right. um you guys will still be reporting right i believe we'll, Even, we'll still be on time and everything i think it just applies to 40 man guys being delayed so well i mean hey some baseball's baseball and i mean that's that's right. what matters. You still got to do your end of the bargain. So, uh, Coleman Crow, best of luck to you. Do you have anything you want to plug? And if you don't, uh, anywhere where our fans can uh, find you on social media. Yeah, my Twitter should be just be Coleman Crow. No spaces, no nothing. And my uh, Instagram's the same thing. So, Perfect. Well, Coleman Crow, generous enough with his time to join us here on Halos in the infield. We'd like to thank him. And we'd like to thank you guys all for tuning in. Have a great day, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.